Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com, where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. simple restart to you know kind of clear the ram mm-hmm. and the next thing i know it's like um you know uh, we're doing an update I'm like, okay you know usually an update takes three four minutes like mm-hmm. no big deal it said uh this may take a while and we'll have multiple restarts and it literally took a fucking hour to update this thing i i have no words i, I don't even know i didn't even know there's there's no words no words describe the madness that precedes the Foreign Affair podcast. But Wes Bradshaw, you're back. God damn it, I'm back. <laughs> he's he's spit out fire. He's spitting mad. I'm pissed, but I'm back. Oh, this is gonna be a fun one. Oh, our poor teams that are gonna get graded today. Oh well. Welcome to episode 165 of the Foreign Affair podcast. I am Edward Green, joined again by McCall and Crime, Wes Bradshaw on NGSC Sports and NGSCSports.com, as well as uh, another of our sponsors, I'm Next USA. Do you want to be the next big computer engineer at Microsoft who prevents Windows Update from taking an hour? Exactly. If you go to I'm Next USA, you submit your profile and you can be the next great star, even if it's in a building cubicle in Redmond, Washington. But enough about that. Enough of our tech was. It's all that matters. We're, we're really all that matters. We got a, a lot to talk about today. Some of it's going to go really quickly now. Um, we'll take our time with some of it, though. Uh, but of course, we got a lot of soccer to talk about. Then uh, we'll hit the news and notes, watch four, and it's back with a live edition of So Raw. So let's start, though, Wes, with actual soccer that was played. Um, this past weekend, we had the Confederations Cup final. And actually, since we last talked, um, and, and, and one of those great things when, because we had to pre-record parts of your your talk last week, um, and it, it, and I didn't get to listen to it till later, but then I start listening to your part and and you make a few cracks about uh, Claudio Bravo and I'm like, oh, oh no, oh that's that's not gonna sound good in like five minutes. Oh boy. And didn't you realize what I did? Yeah, it's, it all turned out okay. Not for Pep, but it turned out okay for them. I literally made up for it myself by live broadcasting it and going, well, I don't know shit about this sport, apparently. (laughs) Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Um, So you had that. Uh, In the meantime, in the other semifinal, Germany did beat Mexico 4-1, two earlier goals from... uh, not Timo Werner, not not him. Uh, Leon Gretzka, 
uh, got Germany off on the right foot and got them past Mexico. Uh, so that set up the Chile-Germany final. It was a cagey affair. Chile looked like it was on the front foot a lot, uh, but they gifted Germany a couple golden chances, and one of those uh, was put in into a completely empty net by Lars Stindl as Germany beat Chile 1-0. Uh, West um, Germany will now be looking to break the Confederation Cup curse as no team that's won the CC has gone on to win the following World Cup. Um, but Germany should take heart that this was maybe a bit of a B team, we could say, that went out there and uh, and took what is pretty close to Chile's A team and, uh, and really took it to this entire tournament. Uh, but Germany takes home the title from St. Petersburg. Oh, and I think you just undersold it a little bit. This is like the golden generation of Chilean football. Yeah. I mean, I mean really, it is. You know, we're not... Back-to-back Cold no, Cups or, or Cold uh, Americas. Cold Americas, I mean, that's no, that's no bullshit. I don't know if they'd ever won a major tournament before. They won back-to-back and then get to the finals of the Confederation Cup, which for whatever we may think of the Confederation Cup, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, for them, that's still a big deal. I mean, you're playing Germany. And, mm-hmm. by the way, it was completely a Germany B team. <laughs> Um, which all that and the thing is here's what's scary is in uh in five years that's going to be germany's world cup team (laughs) and they're all like 20 and 21 right now so you know i think emory chan felt like an old man out there i believe he's like 23 (laughs) so um i mean just a an amazing performance to me from the germans um I mean, I, I don't know if they were actually the best team there. I think Chile might have maybe been a little better, but not on that day. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Chile for, did a lot of things right. They just yeah. didn't take yeah. advantage of their own opportunities and some really poor de- defending in the final third gifted Germany a few chances too. Yeah. And, you know, for that German team, you know, there are some of those guys who that was an audition mm-hmm. for next year's World Cup squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're going to see somebody. You're going to see Julian Draxler. Uh, you know, Emre Chan, I bring him up again, he, he has been a part of the Germany senior setup now for a while. You mm-hmm. would expect, if he has a good season coming over Liverpool, you would know, expect he's going to be there. There are going to be guys off that Germany team who are on the World Cup team, but there are a lot of guys who are probably going to have to wait for um, Cutter, uh, if mm-hmm. that still actually happens, 2022. <laughs> you know, they're going to be waiting more for that tournament to really get there big opportunity in the German national team. Um, and just so impressive for them to go out with something to prove and to go win this tournament. It's, it's not it's not the Euro. It's not the World Cup. It's not Copa de Copa. Uh, but, you know, when you get the chance internationally and you're not one of those fully established, you know, uh, just Mark Terstegen, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're not Manuel Neuer. Well, you've got to take your opportunity when you get it. Because there is a whole generation of young German goalkeepers who are coming for that spot to take over for Neuer. And now Ter Stegen can look and say, hey, I've got a trophy from a tournament where I was the man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, once again, the, the Draxlers, the Timo Werners of the world, you know, those guys are now staking their claim to be the future of German football. Uh, and I think for them, I think it's a big win psychologically for the Germans. And I really, I still think Germany are have got to be your odds-on favorite going into uh, uh, 2018 Russia now, especially because you know 
by God, they've got depth. Yeah. <laughs> if someone gets hurt, they've got guys to fill in. So, you know, this is, they've had them before. This looks like it's a special generation for Germany. Mm-hmm. You know, the one, a, a, the group that's in the older stages, but B, what's coming up behind them. It's just, it's a special time for German football. Yeah, Thank absolutely. You, I, I, I would put them right there. You know, I think I think if France can actually really come together, I think they have enough depth as well, uh, especially in the attacking options where they can do something. I think Brazil might be starting to right that ship. There's a lot of good, good young talent. We saw Gabriel Jesus coming over to Manchester City in his debut in the Premier League. There, there is a lot of good young talent over there in Brazil. I don't know that they'll be ready for Russia 2018, but that, that, that Brazil is re, re, rebuilding their brand of beautiful football um, a little bit. So, and, but I and think, then, and then don't forget England because somebody's got to lose in the quarterfinals. Yeah. Why not us? Spots reserved for you guys. Um, so that is the Confederation Cup. That's done. Uh, also, Portugal beat Mexico two one in extra time in a third place game. Nobody really cares. Um, the Gold Cup. Uh, speaking of something nobody cares about, um, that is just about to start this weekend. Uh, first matches will be on the 7th, which is this Friday, as uh, French Guiana takes on Canada and Honduras takes on Costa Rica at Red Bull Arena in uh, Harrison, New Jersey. Uh, the United States will begin started against Panama on July 8th in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, Wes, obviously the United States just came off a friendly victory over Ghana. Um, they're their favorite team now. They can just beat them whenever they want, two to one. Um, a, lot of, a lot of people getting auditions under Bruce Arena. Um, with, with with you know as as Roger would say you play the kids you play the babies, um, that's that's a lot of what's going on in this one you know there's not going to be a, a DeAndre Edlin there's not a Christian Pulisic um, there's not a lot of these young guys kind of coming out there's some of the other ones like the the Dom Dwyers the um, the Kellen Acostas of the world are going to be trying to make their way so uh, what. What then is a reasonable goal for the United States in this Gold Cup? Well, you know, the thing is, even with the United States, um, when you're looking at sort of a USB team, Mm -hmm. you're still looking at, you know, and especially what we've talked about with the younger generation of American players, you're still looking at a team that should be not the favorite, but one of the favorites to, you know, get into the knockout stages and if things fall right, make a run in this tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm going in looking to win. Mm-hmm. I would be a little disappointed if I'm not at the very least in the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. Um, I think semifinals is a good shot right now for the United States with this group. But at the same time, you know, I mean, who else are all the other squads going to be sending their absolute best teams as well? That's what you kind of got to think of. So mm-hmm. we'll see what the U.S. can do, but I'm I'm excited for the U.S. I mean, uh, I mean, as excited for the Gold Cup as you can be, which means you know, I'm not yeah. going to watch much of it. <laughs> I'll definitely be keeping up with what the United States does. And it, it's cool right now for the U.S. to see these younger players, you know, especially some of these guys off the back of the uh, U-20 World Cup mm-hmm. that we just saw where they had a really good showing. 
Um, so hey, let's see if uh, let's see if Team USA can continue to build on some of that success going forward. Yeah, certainly. You know, when your group is Panama, Martinique, Nicaragua, and the top two teams in that group automatically advance, and the third te place team has a two out of three shot to advance, uh, the, not making, I think, the quarterfinals would be an unmitigated disaster. Um, then if, if you win Group B, you play the third place team from either Group A or C, which could be somebody like French Guiana or Canada or even like a Curacao or Jamaica so that you feel like you can at least get to the semifinals I think I think I think the semifinals is very doable I would like to see them get to the finals just to have some of these kids play in a tournament final even if you know it doesn't even clinch you anything because to get that confederation spot you have to win this one and the next one or win that playoff like the United States had to try to do last time. Um, but I, I think getting these kids into a final, even if it's the Gold Cup, and seeing how they react, and especially because if it's, if it's against Mexico, it's the finals in Santa Clara. Yeah. That's, that's not exactly going to be a true home game for the United States. So I think being able to play with those kids in that type of environment would be a, it would be, it would be a crucible. As we like to say, West Bradshaw, we love we love we love crucibles here. We love a crucible in our lives, uh, but you know Mexico as well. I mean, you know Mexico just sent their A squad to the Confederations mm -hmm. Cup, and those guys mm -hmm. aren't turning right around and playing the Gold Cups. So. No. So we'll have to see how the United States does. Obviously looking for them to at least make it to the knockout stage, uh, and we'll see how far uh, Bruce Arena's men and boys can get in this tournament. Uh, now we take a look back across the pond to the Premier League, and we're starting to wrap up our grades from the 2016-17 season. Um, we're going to do the bottom four of the top half of the table this week. Next week, we'll wrap up with six through one. Um, so first, Wes, we're gonna start in 10th place with West Bromwich Albion. And it's a little weird that we're talking about them in 10th place because for 75 to 80% of the year, it was like, nope, they're, they're pretty much locked in eighth. They're not gonna be able to jump up in seventh, but they don't really seem like they're getting threatened by anybody below them to fall. And then they just fell off a cliff the last six weeks. Um, still up four places from last season. Um, had some more scoring options this year. Picked up Master Chadley from Tottenham, who provided them with a little bit of offense. Matt Phillips did very well uh, in front of goal this year. But this was still a, a until they just collapsed, this was still a very defense-first Tony Pulis team that could score a goal when they needed to. Remember, they took... Uh, Chelsea to the wire um, in one of their their midseason matches. So there was there was definitely improvement from West Brom this year. A little sad to see how they ended, um, but I'm still gonna give this team a solid uh, B. I might have even gone higher if they had managed to finish like eighth in eighth place um, and had a good end of the season. So, but for now, they did their their body of work overall though was very good. I thought this year, so I am giving them a B. Uh, you and I were along the same lines with that. You know, kind of a surprising, you know, season where they were sitting, like you said, around that 8-9 spot most of the year. West Brom Albion under Tony Poulos, that's just one of those clubs you're like, all right, you know, you figure they're going to be around that 12 spot. Mm -hmm. And you, you know with Poulos, unless something goes horribly wrong, they're going to survive. You're going to stay up. It's not going to be pretty, but it's going to be somewhat efficient. 
Uh, they're they're like Germany without any of the scoring usually. Yeah. Um, but you know, this year they, like you said, for a good eighty percent of the season, they were playing really. You know, they were playing maybe a little above their skis that mm-hmm. we're used to seeing. Um, they did add some playmakers. Uh, I think West Brom have completely solidified themselves as a Premier League club. Mm-hmm. You know, especially with Pula sticking around, you don't even really think of them as a relegation battler. Um, and as you said, if not for those last six weeks where they kind of fell out of that eight spot and finished 10th, I mean, I don't know if you couldn't have found a way to maybe give them an A minus just considering what they were working with compared to everyone else. Uh, because outside of, you know, if they had finished eighth outside of that spot, you're looking at Everton and the big six. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they don't, West Brom doesn't really, you know, they don't belong in that conversation with those seven teams, but they were close to it. At the end of the day, <laughs> excuse me, finishing 10th, that does drop them a little bit just because of how the end of their season went. Mm-hmm. Man, I give them a very solid B, if not a borderline B+. Plus. Great season from West Brom. Be interesting to see uh, if they decide to try to maybe add a little more firepower, see if they can upgrade a few players this summer. Because unfortunately, at the end of the day, West Brom, not exactly the most attractive place in the mm-hmm. world. True. But we also know everybody in the Premier League has money. That's true, yes. So, it's not stopping them. If we haven't learned anything in the transfer window, everyone has money. Uh, well, a team that might have some more money to play with uh, a little bit this coming up season. Uh, that is going to be the Cherries of AFC Bournemouth. Uh, they finished in ninth place last year, up seven spots from the previous season, uh, and a four-point gain, uh, which kind of shows, I think, maybe how crazy this season was compared to last year in that mid-table area. Uh, but Bournemouth, you know, somewhat like West Brom and some of the other teams low on this list, a dreadful road record, just three wins away from the Vitality, as opposed to ten losses. Uh, but nine home wins, um, some big offensive firepower. We know they've also upgraded, as we'll talk a little bit about once we hit news and notes, uh, towards next season. Not not applying that, but this is this was Bournemouth's best finish ever in the Premier League. Eddie Howe keeps pushing this team forward. Um, there, there are definitely some trouble spots. Again, those might be getting addressed in this uh, transfer window as, um, as goalkeeping obviously was a huge issue for them uh defense also kind of an issue um so so for what though that they had in this season we are grading i'm going to give them a b plus i i think the only thing that stopped me from giving them an a was that their 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 defense was absolutely atrocious um if you look uh in in the you would have to go all the way to swansea in 15th to find a team that gave up more goals than them. Uh, and they're 67 conceded on the season. You look at the teams around them. Uh, West Brom, as we said, gave up only 51. Uh, two clubs we'll get into a little bit later. Southampton gives up 48. Everton gives up 44. You know, And then you have the Uniteds and Tottenham's of the world, which are giving the, the mid to high 20s. So that's, that's something that really needs to get shorn up. But they play still an exciting brand of football. 
with Bournemouth, you never feel completely safe, as Arsenal showed this year against them. Uh, but you never feel completely out of it if you're a Bournemouth fan either, uh, as Everton kind of found out again. Um, so this is this is a team that it's very exciting. Eddie Howe is pushing his guys forward. I think the transfers they have coming in shows that the club believes in him and his vision. I'm going to give them a B plus, very close to an A minus. Um, but but otherwise, a another really solid season in the Premier League on an upward trend for Bournemouth. Eddie Howe is just every year adding to this living legend mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of uh, persona that he has created for himself at Bournemouth. Has brought him up. I believe when he went there, they were all the way down in the uh, in League One of English football. Um, might have been a League Two. Jesus, I can't remember off the top of my head. But he has gotten them, you know, the first huge goal was get to the Premier League. All right, check. Survive and make it to the second season of the Premier League. Check. And improve and a top ten finish. Just absolutely magnificent for Bournemouth. Um, I mean, you know, when we sit here and we talk about, yeah, I mean, we're sitting here we're talking about, you know, Tony Poulos and how good a job he's done at, uh, at making you know, West Brom look like a team that, all right, hey, this is a team that they're going to be safe and they're just, you know, it's just how much better can they get? Well, they've done that over years now in the league. Bournemouth have done it with very, very, very little resources and have gotten themselves a top 10 finish in two years. A lot of talk out there that Eddie Howe may be the eventual replacement for Arsene Wenger at, mm-hmm. uh, at Arsenal in the year 2031, um, <laughs> which maybe when Arsenal gets back to the Champions League. There it is. Uh, damn, well, she's hard, man. Um, but, you know, what Eddie Howe does, and the reason I think Bournemouth sort of had that, you know, the neutral sweetheart. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, who really hates Bournemouth? I mean, come on, how do you hate Bournemouth? <laughs> they play an entertaining brand of football. All their games are crazy. I can attest to you as a Liverpool yes. fan, those motherfuckers can score. Yeah. Jesus Christ. That's... Even their defenders can score. Oh, my God. They have strafenders all over the field. They do. Um, you know, they're, I think they're making some good signings. They spent some money last summer. They've already broken their transfer record this summer. Uh, they're trying to get these young, maybe, they seem to be getting these young guys who are maybe undervalued by the big clubs at this point, who maybe they had their chance and didn't totally solidify themselves as first-team players, and they're finding themselves on the periphery. Eddie Howe's like, hey, let me get some of these guys. I know they can play. Let me try to bring the best out in them. Uh, Nathan Ake. Mm-hmm. Another Chelsea, <laughs> go figure, a guy on loan from Chelsea. There, There's one or two out there. Um, he ends up, he is signed with Bournemouth. Um, I just, I, I think Bournemouth are moving in the right direction. The only, the only issue I might have going forward with Bournemouth is there is somewhat of a proverbial glass ceiling in the Premier Certainly. League. Yeah. And once again, I mean, we go back to that big six. And, you know, we say Big Six, and we might almost have to expand that to the um, the Magnificent Seven mm-hmm. uh, with with the way that Everton, you know, Everton suddenly have some finances to go out and make moves, and they have made moves. 
So Everton are looking to improve themselves. <clears throat> it's going to be tough to kind of break into that top seven for anybody just because these other teams, I mean, really without, I mean, without getting something, without getting injection on the level of Man City back around 2008-2009, yes, the finance, the financials have gone up for the Bournemouths of the world, for the West Broms of the world. But the thing is, they are still light years away from that top seven just because of marketing, because of branding, and because of the peripheral money that's brought in by those clubs. Uh, Based on that, what Eddie Howe has done at Bournemouth is nothing, is almost nothing short of a miracle. It's been fantastic. I'm giving them an A minus for the season just because they survived the Premier League, they came back, and they improved, as you said, seven spots mm-hmm. up to a top ten finish, a top nine finish. Give it up to Bournemouth. Yeah, Absolutely. big praise. I, I do. I do think you you brought up a, a great point, though. It, it's how much higher can they go? You know, and everybody's going to throw out there. Well, Leicester City two years ago. I know it was, it was it was a weird year. And, and Leicester and it, City. And it, was, it was a perfect storm for Leicester City. Weird yeah. year. The top, the top teams were hemorrhaging points. I mean, when, when Arsenal is the clear contender of the big teams, you, you know it's not a great season. Yeah, and, and that was – it was just very bizarre. It's not that it can't happen at Bournemouth. It just probably won't. Um, but, but there is – they can still keep pushing up and, and take that, you know, not to be patronizing, but best of the rest. Um, which well, you know, and, and, you know maybe, maybe they kind of take that spot where they're that next team, you know, because you're going to have the discussion every year because, well, if someone's going to do what Lester did, who's it going to be? Right. Well, you know what? Hey, Bournemouth's a great team to think, hey, you know, who's going to come from next to Oblivion to win the league? Because, mm-hmm. hey, at that point, you can't say, well, Liverpool or Tottenham. No, because they're not starting in that position. You know, who can, who can make a run from basically, as you said, the rest? I think Bournemouth might be in that group. I think Bournemouth, if somebody could do it, it might be Bournemouth. Well, a team that had been in that, in that conversation uh, but has just been stripped away over the years, that is Southampton. Uh, they still do finish in eighth place on the season. That is down two spots from the previous season. Uh, a 17-point drop as well. Um, from the 2015-16 season. Uh, now, Virgil van Dijk was injured for a lot of the season. Charlie Austin was injured for a lot of it. Uh, however, they did also make the League Cup final. Uh, where they were a little bit unlucky in their loss to Manchester United. Um, they, they do have a change in manager, as I mentioned last week, bringing in the Premier League's second Argentine, Maurizio, uh, and nearly stopping my heart in the process when I saw the update. Um, but... Uh, you know, Southampton, I'm, I'm going to give them a B just because I still think they had a good season for, for, for what they're lacking. You know, they did get Jay Rodriguez back partway through the season. He did provide a little bit of a boost um, for, for what Southampton had to work with and having a new manager in Claude Puyol come in for that season. To make the League Cup final, I think, was a solid season for Southampton. Um, not a great run in Europa. Uh, I believe they, they lost out in the last possible match uh, to try and make it to the knockout round. Um, overall, though, I give them 
I give them a B. This was their, I believe, their first trek into European football. Um, so it is tough, even on those those cold Thursday nights. So I, I'm going to give them a B. I don't know how sunny and optimistic I will be about Southampton coming up this next season, um, but still a, a pretty good year this year. say so with Southampton um it was a how do we put it it was I don't believe by the standards that Southampton have set over the past few seasons Mm -hmm. that their fans were too happy with it at the end of the day Mm um that said Southampton are another one of those teams where You've kind of got to look at them at this point and say, where where else can they go? Because they are like literally, I mean, they finished eighth this year, and that's pretty much exactly where they are in the Premier League right now. Mm-hmm. They're about that eighth spot team because they're they're outside the big six, and now with Everton, they're they're a little behind. They're behind Everton financially now. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just that's where they are. They're great at unearthing talent and then selling it to Liverpool. Um, They're great at, you know, making great managers and then having them move on. They are, they're just like, they're this perfect transition team. Mm -hmm. And I know that's not what Southampton strives to be. That's not who they want to be. But, I mean, that's just, that's kind of who they are. You know, they buy Virgil van Dijk for... I'm just guess off the top of my head about 10 million pounds from Celtic, and they're eventually going to sell them to Liverpool for 60 million pounds. <laughs> and I just I still believe that's going to happen. <laughs> keep the faith. I keep the faith. Okay, fine. I'll, I'll expand it. They're going to sell them to Liverpool or Chelsea for 60 million pounds. <laughs> so they're going to make a massive profit, and then they're going to take that massive profit, and they're going to go buy four guys, and then probably double that money in about three or four years selling them to Liverpool. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> But, you know, I, I think – I don't think they took Europa ultra seriously. And mm-hmm. I don't mean that they didn't take it seriously. I don't think um, – I don't think that was their – yeah, I don't think that was the big thing that they were gunning for this year. You know, they didn't want to do any harm to their Premier League season – they didn't get it. They had kind of a rocky season in the Premier League as it was. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, as you said, down 17 points from a season ago. They did make a cup final. <clears throat> so that kind of evens out some of that point loss. But yeah, I just – I don't think they were great this year. I mean, I'll give them a B. And I'm kind of pushing that B. I could easily give them a B minus – just based on the set of expectations that we've come to have for Southampton. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, last thing, you know, at the same time, you've got to take an account. I mean, just look at the players they've sold the last three seasons. If they'd held on to that team, that's a that's a top five team. Easily. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're, they're definitely busted in that conversation. But, you know, just, you know, you look at the Lalanas, the Mane's, the um, – you know, the, the young man, the Luke Shaw's, mm-hmm. um, the, uh, you know, hell, Pochettino. Yeah. You know, moving on. Ronald Koeman moving on. I mm-hmm. mean, just 
they've they've really moved off some really good players. They've had some really good managers who've moved on. Uh, Pellegrino coming in, a, a former in the in the Premier League, played for Liverpool, played twelve matches for Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a had a long uh, career at Valencia, I believe, mm-hmm. was his longest stop. Uh, but he's kind of the next one in line, and. It, I mean, the continued success of, I guess we call it the Southampton project is, you know, it's going to it's gonna come down to him because for them it always seems to really be about the manager at the end of the day because their scouting department, world-class, absolutely mm-hmm. world-class scouting department. So they're going to find them the players. They've just got to have the right guy in place. But B-minus for the year, I just uh, yeah, I wasn't impressed with the outcome just because of what I now expect from them. Certainly, and uh, now we have to jump up 15 points. That was the gulf between 7th and 8th place, 15 points. Also the difference, or almost the difference, between 8th place and 18th place. <laughs> so if that, if that shows you that there was definitely a have and have not situation in the Premier League this year, that's it. Our last team we're going to talk about today is the blue side of Mercy. That is Everton. Ronald Koeman in his first year gets them to 61 points, 17 victories. Uh, they would go up four places this season, back into the top 10, also gained 14 points. Um, Ross Barkley, a shaky season. Romelu Lukaku kind of gagged on getting giving up the golden boot towards the end there. Um, they also have a bit of a goalkeeper situation to f- uh, figure out. So again, not taking into account any of the signings that have now come in of the 400 million that, that have come in. Um, that is how we're grading Everton. I'm going to give them a B minus mm-hmm. just because I, I still think they underperformed in big matches. Like I can't I can't recall a big match where they really showed up uh, and, and really and and really took it to a team store. Now I'm going to look up their schedule and I'm going to be proven wrong, obviously. Um, but, um, but from, from what I, my brain is telling me and from what I recollect, this seemed like it was just an okay Everton team. Now they, they did win a lot of games. They, they did beat up on the bottom half of the league. Um, but just really quickly running through um, the league here. Yes, they did draw uh, Tottenham 1-1 at home. They drew United 1-1 at home. But they lost on the road to Southampton. They lost on the road to Burnley. Nothing to sneeze at, as we mentioned in there. They lost on the road, though, to Watford. Um, you know, obviously they didn't beat Liverpool this year. Um, <laughs> but and then, and then you look at some of their other, you know, their other matches, you know, Chelsea blanks them 3-0 at home late in the season. They lose the final match of the year to Arsenal 3-1. Um, they do, I mean, they beat Arsenal 2-1 at home. They pounded Man City 4-0, so I guess there was that. But that was in that mid-January part where where City just looked completely lost. Uh, I, I don't know. I just, they, they went one and done in the FA Cup, went two and done in the League Cup. They had no European football and and never really seriously had a chance to finish inside the top six. I'm going to give them a B minus. Um, expectations maybe weren't that high. And, and I'm not trying to be funny here when I say this. They still didn't meet them, I think. 
Um, so this is a team that was in seventh place from the midpoint of the season on and never really changed. So I'm I'm giving them a B minus. They might be very scary going forward. We'll talk about that in news and notes, but eh, just it's kind of a ho hum B minus season. I think I think even if like Lukaku could have won the Golden Boot, that would have been something. But just eh, whatever. I have a little more rosy tint on the uh, on my looking glass. We'll say into oh. Everton season. Um, I'm giving Everton a solid B for the simple fact, like you said, the expectations. Well, what were the expectations? They literally were the next team outside of the six teams that everyone knew were better than everyone else. So mm-hmm. I think they almost, you know, and if this was if it was Arsene Wenger calling this, he would say they've won a trophy for winning. <laughs> Second part of the Premier League. Yeah. So if finished seventh outside of the Big Six, that is a trophy. Um, trophies aside, because hey, they finished top as, three of the Europa teams. As, as any good Liverpool fan knows, those are some empty trophy cases over at Goodison Park. Um, I, I, I think it was a solid season for Everton. They, outside of a few, and everybody's going to lose some matches they feel they shouldn't lose. I thought they won a lot of the matches they should have won. They got results where I think they should have gotten results. They did get, I mean, you know, you beat Arsenal, you beat City. And, yeah, they did lose to the teams that, granted, were a lot better than them. Um, Pluses this year for Everton, uh, Lukaku... Well, let's put it this way. Everton's either going to have one of the best strikers in the league next year or they're going to have Wayne Rooney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, they'll have Wayne Rooney at 100 million pounds. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, you know, we'll have to see what happens with Lukaku going forward. But Lukaku has – I think he's uh, put himself into the conversation as being one of the best strikers in the Premier League, without a doubt. Um Tom Davies emerged this year, a youngster, young mm-hmm. local kid who um, looks like he could, wow, he could really turn into a great player going forward, mm-hmm. uh, which means he'll be at United in about two years. Um, I know, I just, uh, oh, I've got so many weeks of smart buildup in me tonight, sorry. Uh, just, God, just wait until we talk about Wayne Rooney. Um, but, you know, this is an, this is an Everton team. You know, you were talking about giving them the grades um, before looking at their transfers. Well, looking at their transfers, I think they've made some solid moves so far. I think they fixed the goalkeeping position. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think they've got. I don't think they've signed any bona fide superstars, but I think they've improved their squad. Oh, Ross yeah. Barkley. <sighs> Ross Barkley. I don't know if Ross Barkley just maybe just needs a change of scenery. Yeah. Um, because, you know, sometimes, <clears throat> you know, Ross Barkley was coming up as a schoolboy with comparisons to Steven Gerrard. Mm-hmm. You know, here he was a local kid. He's from Merseyside. He's playing for one of the big Merseyside clubs. You know, you've got so many of those hometown expectations. Um, and, you know, not every hometown story ends up like Steven Gerrard, where you're the conquering hero who achieves almost all of your goals and dreams. Um, some guys, it just doesn't It doesn't quite happen. You need to make that move well, away. Even as recently as two years ago, I still remember uh, talking uh, 
to my good friend on Twitter, Arlo White, about you know how there was a real debate of who's the best young English talent. Is it this young breakthrough Harry Kane or is it young breakthrough Ross Barkley? One of them has kept improving into now a three-time one-season wonder, and and the other has just kind of been eh. And one of them looks like a giant head case. Yeah. With Ross Barkley. Um, <clears throat> I just, I don't know. I, I still think that there's some really, there's big talent in Ross Barkley. I just don't know if Everton's going to be the place to bring it out. But, hey, you know, maybe improving the guys around him this year, another year with Ronald Koeman, that might be what pushes him over the line. Or I still think if Everton wanted to move him this summer or next summer, if everything doesn't click next year, I think there's still a window where a big English club would go in for Ross Barkley. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where you, I could still see him going to a United or going to – you know, a Chelsea, something like that, or a City. Um, I don't know if that would be the best move for him. You know, I don't know if maybe going to, you know, somewhere like uh, Southampton or Bournemouth might not be a better move for him. Mm-hmm. But I still think there's interest in Barkley. I still think people see the talent. He's still not an old player, but you know what, Ed? He's no longer a young bucking colt. No, that's Charlie Davies now. Um, You know, that's the young stud at Everton now. Um, Ross Barkley reminds me of sort of, um, oh, God, without the injuries, the guy from, God, I've got him in my face and I cannot remember his name, that actually played for Bournemouth this year. Uh, from uh, Jack Wilshire. Yeah, Jack Wilshire. That's funny. I was actually thinking of him like a, a second ago when you're like, he should go to Bournemouth. I was like, oh, just like Jack Wilshire did. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, right now his career is more mirroring Jack Wilshire, where, you mm-hmm. know, when they were 17, 18, oh my God, these guys are the future. They're going to be these dynamic, great English players. And it's like from 18 to 19, 18 and 19, they just haven't gotten much better yeah now Wilshire's obviously is a lot more injury related um and I don't know I, I don't think Wilshire's ever going to get back to the player he was due to those injuries uh, Barkley though Barkley would have me a little nervous just because you know hey this guy's not developed but then again it could take someone else to develop him I'm going to give I, I will give him a B though I think uh I think finishing seventh in this league, it does show that, you know, really outside of that big six, which, I mean, really Everton financially is not in that group at all. They're getting closer, mm-hmm. but they're not in that group at all. So I, I just think this year in the Premier League, there's no shame in finishing seventh whatsoever. Okay. So that's going to do it for our Premier League grades for the week. Uh, next week, we cap it off with teams six through one. Oh, get get ready for our Arsenal and Manchester City raids. They're, they're, we might have things to say about them. I don't know. And if you if you've never listened to this podcast before, we have opinions on those clubs. Um, so that's gonna do it for. Our, 
That's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, so that's our soccer sports talk for the day. Uh, we are going to still hit the news and notes, though, from it. Um, quickly through some of these, uh, we're going to group up a couple of these. Uh, you mentioned one of them uh, we, as we start with Bournemouth West. Uh, Nathan Aki is now going back to Bournemouth. Uh, he was on a loan for what well, ended up just being a half year at Bournemouth. Chelsea recalled him for the second half of the season. He barely played. Um, and then uh, he's now going back to Bournemouth where he was very good for them. Uh, he, along with the, he's the young, now the old is kind of coming as well. Jermaine Defoe from relegated Sunderland is coming back to the Premier League. Right back up he comes. Uh, Sunderland might not be able to say the same thing. Um, but he is also joining Bournemouth on a three-year deal. Um, you know, Wes, he, he is 34 years old. But he showed last year, even on a crap team like Sunderland, he can still score goals. And for a Bournemouth team, I mean, he does bring also a bit of veteran leadership. You know, Eddie Howe, very young manager um, who has been getting results, having kind of a, I don't want to say Jermaine Defoe is like an on-field general kind of guy, but just having a very experienced player who can still play, you know, is, I think, huge for this Bournemouth team. So these are two, I think, very, very good signings for this club. And also, if nothing else, Defoe scores goals. I mean, yeah. he's not the... I mean, he's maybe not the dynamic scorer that he used to be, maybe in his Tottenham days or, you know, his earlier Sunderland days, but, you know, the guy knows how to find the back of the net. And sometimes that's what you need. You know, we, we talk about players who you know, are good players may not be at the level of those top six clubs. You know, I don't think Jermaine Defoe, and I've kind of heard the argument for a few years, oh, Liverpool, we should go in and sign Defoe. We need goals. But Defoe doesn't, you know, Defoe could score goals, but he doesn't fit into mm-hmm. the mold that, say, Liverpool and Tottenham want to play. Um, I don't think he would really fit into what Chelsea totally wanted to do. Um you know, United are looking to get more dynamic. I don't think he fits into that. I don't think he fits into what Pep wants to do at City. So, you know, as for that, you know, next best thing is to go to somewhere like a Bournemouth where that experience and that prowess is going to help them, especially maybe late in games, snatch a goal here, snatch a goal there. Mm-hmm. And also, I think, you know, Bournemouth has some really good young attacking players. And it cannot hurt them by having a Jermaine Defoe in that locker room and on that training pitch every day. 100% agree. I think this is a a great upgrade for this Bournemouth team. Um, Upgrades also taking place at Everton. Uh, One, I don't know, downgrade isn't the right word, but uh, Gerard (laughs) Lefeu is heading back to Barcelona. Just never quite got in with Everton, despite actually impressing in a lot of substitute appearances. But Everton is bringing in way more. Uh, Michael Keane is joining the defense from Burnley. Uh, Jordan Pickford will be taking in between the pipes, uh, coming over also from Sunderland. Davy Classing coming over from Ajax. Um, and then uh, Sandra, I know, Sandra Ramirez also coming over from Malaga out of La Liga. Um, Everton West have been very, very busy with some very, I think, especially those first two, Keane and Pickford, two not just good pickups, 
but hugely important pickups if they want to try and crack that top six next year. Um, Pickford is one who, you know, a lot of people think it could come down between him and Jack Butlin as your future England goalie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Pickford is a nice pickup for a team that really, as we stated earlier, was terrible at goalie last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the big thing. They were horrible last year at keeper. They had no stability. Pickford comes in. He is young. Now, let's remember this. Pickford is young. He's had one year where he's played. I mean, he's basically played one year of first-team Premier League football at Sunderland. He had to t- so, he had to face a lot of shots, though. He did. He stopped a lot of that. He did, he did a really good job. Um <laughs> So, you know, you still kind of hold your breath with young keepers who don't have a lot of game time. And that's Pickford. That said, <clears throat> as we saw last year, has a lot of talent. Um, knows how to play on a bad team. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Everton. Um, and I, I, think, I think for Everton, I, I think it is a good pickup. Maybe paid a little over the skis, but when you also take into effect that he's British, obviously we know that's going to jack the price up some. Um, but I'd say a good pickup. Michael Keane was really good for Burnley last year. Uh, former Man United uh, player when he was very young, played for United. Um, and those United guys, guy, it always seems like guys who don't make it United, they seem to ever to a lot. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I'm not. I'm not really hitting Michael Keane for that. Uh, apparently, and and one way it's being played over on the blue side of Mersey is that all oh, Everton they stole a march on both United and Liverpool, who both wanted Michael Keane, and they beat them to it. In, in all honest truth, I think that um, I think both Liverpool and United maybe looked at Michael Keane as well. You know, we've got him as an option. Mm-hmm. Everton made him a priority, went and got him. Good young keeper, uh, maybe a future full-time England international at defense. And that's good. I mean, hey, Everton's done that, you know, with Jags. Um, so it's something they've done. Uh, Davy Clawson, eh, to mm-hmm. me, and don't get me wrong, had a very good season. Has had a good career with Ajax. I think he's 24 or 25 and why you say oh well that's hey that's prime time most of these guys who come out of Ajax and come out of the Dutch League and are superstars they're coming out of the Dutch League when they're 20 or 21 mm-hmm. um, and I'm not saying this definitely means Clawson won't be good but you know most of these guys who come out of the Dutch League they come early and they hit the ground running and then you got Clawson. He's kind of had to stick around for a long time in Ajax. I don't know if he's a. I don't know if he's a better player than Ross Barkley. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's quite as talented as Ross Barkley. But then again, he may turn out to be more consistent than Ross Barkley. Mm-hmm. We'll see. The other guy. I don't really know about the other guys. That might lie. It's fine. And, um, and then they've got obviously a complete, terribly scrub signing. Yeah, not official. We're not. We don't mention deals that aren't official. But yeah, Wayne Rooney is probably going to Everton. So, good for you guys. Um, speaking of uh, 
No, I'm not going to do that to to West Brom or Southampton. You mentioned, though, earlier, Wes, in our West Brom, uh, uh, when we talked about their grades, that they maybe go out and get a striker and, and, you know, upgrade that offensive attack. They did just that. They brought in Jay Rodriguez from Southampton. See, it's not just Liverpool who steals from them. Um, They're getting him on a a fee of about 12 million pounds. Uh, He has been having to deal with a lot of injuries. Uh, Did come back. This past season scored a couple wonder goals for Southampton. Um, did score 15 Premier League goals back in the 2013-14 season. Uh, that was also when he made his only uh, English cap uh, for the national team. Um, but it looks like he's coming back now. Um, and, and if he can stay healthy, West, the 27-year-old could be a pretty good pickup for West Brom to, to add a little more of that offensive dynamicism that, that a Tony Pulis side sometimes lacks. Really unfortunate for Jay Rodriguez. This is a guy who, you know, as you said, I think it was about three, four seasons ago, he was being mentioned as a target for the big boys. Um, shocker, shocker. I heard a lot of talk about Liverpool wanting Jay Rodriguez. Go figure. <laughs> what? That's crazy. Um, well, there, there was apparently, you know, the season that they signed Ricky Lambert, they were trying to also sign Jay Rodriguez. And Seth mm-hmm. was like, you already got enough fire, guys. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I've heard Arsenal is being in for Jay Rodriguez. I've heard uh, United having a name in for Jay Rodriguez before. But, you know, talking about like a guy like Jack Wilshire, injuries have just completely sapped the, uh, the hype and the momentum that Jay Rodriguez had. Um, good luck on him. You know, he did have a pretty good return this year to Southampton. Good luck on him. Maybe, maybe taking another step forward at West Brom. But another guy who goes down is kind of what could have been if he hadn't been hurt all the damn time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going to move on to another story. This is, this is the story I wanted to do when we were going to make the transition from Wayne Rooney. And speaking of, of English players that are pretty washed up and moving to, wives. <laughs> moving to crap teams um john terry is is going to aston villa because this is a thing that is happening because the career of of john terry is ending not with a bang and winning a title but with a whimper at aston villa um i i gotta say wes i i don't all joking aside this is a club that finished 13th in the championship last year. And, and I, I, I worked this, this thing out a lot in my head. And, and folks, as you know, we have no connections. We know nothing about what's actually happening in England besides what we can read on the internet. To me, if, if, if John Terry is going to Aston Villa, what that says to me is that there is not one major market MLS team that wanted him. I I don't believe, because if Bastian Schweinsteiger, who wasn't getting off the bench at United for an entire season, can go to the Chicago Fire and immediately be a starter, then a guy like John Terry, who also didn't really do that much for Chelsea last year, but was getting into a few games here or there, and still might have a little bit, it, now, now, I'd understand if he doesn't want to go to China. I, I, I just like, you know, again, Wayne Rooney, don't ever see them going to China. It's hot there. But America? I could totally have seen that. So what that says to me, if you're picking Aston Villa 
and, and maybe there just was no market for the MLS for John Terry. That's what it tells me is that is that you didn't want to stop playing, but you knew you weren't in the more than the cards in Chelsea and no big MLS club bit for you. And that, when I say big, I mean, I'm talking about like L.A., New York's, um, possibly Orlando and maybe Chicago. Like, I don't think he would go to the Columbus crew, but it, it, it seems to me, you know, that if there was a major market MLS club that wanted John Terry, that's where he'd be going instead of Birmingham. My my take on the MLS clubs and the high-profile international players kind of toward the end of the career, I think when you're bringing in one of those, and this is just my philosophy, I might be wrong, I just I believe when you're bringing in one of those uh, big time players to your clubs, you're looking more for a player who can have a, an impact on goals being scored. Um, and when I say that, you know, you look at the guys who've been the important ones. You look at you know the, the David Beckham's, the Steven Gerrards, um, the Bastian Schweinsteiger, the David Villa. Those are guys who play more up front. Also, here's the thing: if you're not if you're not putting in goals, one thing about MLS, it is a fast league. Mm -hmm. There, and John Terry, you know, for all the good things he could bring, you know, the cunning, the guile, the that he might bang your wife. you know, for all that, I think um, I don't think you can go to MLS, be a defender, and not be able to run. I just think MLS is too athletic. It's too fast. There's too much speed based, and also basically, it's hard to go in and buy a central defender for like a year, when all we ever hear about central defenders is, oh, you got to build that partnership. You got to build that partnership. Mm-hmm. Why would I want to give him big money to come to the United States when A, he's not going to score goals, B, there's a damn good chance that he could be exposed at the back and be a liability at the back because of the physical part of the game. And then I'm only going to have him for like a year. I just It doesn't make good financial sense to me to give him a big contract. <clears throat> and also, <clears throat> excuse me, um, like I said, those other guys, goal scorers, especially in the United States right now, goal scorers are selling tickets. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not shelling out my hard-earned money to go watch John Terry play for D.C. United to watch him defend. Mm-hmm. And, and, yes, you know, the, maybe that's the shallower end of, you know, the U.S. fan as compared to the English fan where the game obviously not quite as ingrained here for us. But, you know, when you were seeing, <clears throat> when you were going to see David Villa, well, David Villa's going to score goals. You know, when you were going to see David Beckham, A, David Beckham just has a different star power than any other soccer player maybe ever, and that includes Ronaldo. Um, his star power is just so much what it was. You know, with Steven Gerrard, you had this legendary player who, you know, had these legendary moments. 
and could still you still felt you know hey Stevie G can you know he can score a goal he can assist on a goal you know he can make those Hollywood passes with John Terry it's just he's not that kind of guy that you're bringing in to be quote a marquee signing so you've you've thrown out a lot of really good points a ton of really great points I really appreciate so I'm going to ask you this one question now with all those great points you just made How does this move make sense for Aston Villa? I can see it making sense in England because I think there could be a premium on the fact that he was the England captain. Okay. Um, Yeah, I don't know what his future holds. I could see him maybe working on his coaching badges going into Aston Villa. Um, You know, it gives them that veteran stability – I mean, you know, you can use all the old cliches. Hey, he's a veteran. He's been through all the battles. This guy's Captain England. You know, he's he's going to bring a, he's going to be a stabilizing force in our locker room. As long as he keeps his pants on, he can stabilize your locker room. That's true. Um, so, I, to me, I just I see more I see more worth for him in England than I do in America. Okay. You know, I think a lot of times we throw America out as, oh, well, hey, anybody can, any big name can just come to America at the end of the day. No, America would love Zlatan because Zlatan's going to score a shit ton of goals. America would love Wayne Rooney because Wayne Rooney would be a tabloid darling in America. And he would just be Wayne Rooney. Um, You know, America would love Roy Hodgson. Never mind. America would hate Roy Hodgson, much like everyone else hates Roy Hodgson. (laughs) <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, that, that's the difference. You know, you bring in a guy who can score goals or potentially score goals, it's one thing. John Terry ain't scoring goals. A header, two headers a season ain't scoring goals in America. Very true. Um, all right, so that's, that's that last deal. Our final news and notes story. We're going to get this one super quick. Wes, <clears throat> Alexander Lacazette is going to Arsenal. Is this the deal? That pushes Arsenal back into the title race. <laughs> I think it's a really good it. sign. That's what we've always said. They just need a striker. They did it. They did it. Yeah, all, they, all they need. Oh, he needs a central defender. All right, you got Mustafi. Oh, he needs a central midfielder. All right, you got those. Oh, he needs a striker. Yeah, yeah, you just need people. <laughs> um, I think one big key on this is going to be, you know, are you going to pair him with Alexis Sanchez? Or does this mean that this is your backup plan for Alexis Sanchez leaving? Yeah. Um, I think if Alexis Sanchez stays, I think Arsenal has a much, much, let's put it this way, I think Arsenal has a much better shot at contending for a title, obviously, with Alexis Sanchez. Mm-hmm. Um No, I still don't think they're a title contender because I still think this is a team that's flawed. I mean, now this was one thing that they needed. Don't get me wrong. This is a really good signing for Arsenal. <laughs> they still need help at the back. Um, still in the center of midfield. They're not, I mean, unless um, unless Granit Xhaka makes maybe that second year step up. They've still got issues in midfield. 
I think I think Arsenal fans are just thrilled that they're actually spending money on somebody. <coughs> I mean, of course, you know, you spent money one season on Sanchez, you spent money one season on Ozil. I still think Ozil's so fucking overrated, it's not funny. And as we've talked about before, I think people are finally coming around to that. Um, Sanchez, obviously, the most important player on that team. And I'm going to tell you this, as an Arsenal fan, I, I would be really, really... I would be nervous if Sanchez leaves just because, you know, yeah, you know, you signed Lacazette, but Sanchez was your talisman. Mm-hmm. And you're, I mean, as every transfer, when you're bringing somebody in, you're, you're gambling, you're basically gambling that they're going to be able to step in and be a big-time difference maker for you. But, I mean, there's no guarantee. You knew what you had in Alexis Sanchez. You know, Lacazette scored a shit ton of goals in France. I mean, <laughs> your boy Jansen scored a shit ton of goals in Holland. How'd that work out? Hey, Lacazette, France is number two. Come in to replace France's number one striker. There you go. So, um, you know, so we'll, de- we'll definitely see what happens. I-, I do, I really like the signing for Arsenal. <laughs> I just, I just want to see how this summer ends up for Arsenal going forward now my biggest question is and, and i also do agree this is this is a very good signing for arsenal my question is if you are someone who is coming in like an alexander lacazette who's going to be your coach next year who's going to be your coach in two years who's going to be your coach in three years like i i feel like this and this, to me, is the biggest reason I didn't think they were going to be able to get a major buy like Lacazette. Is if I'm a transfer going into Arsenal, I don't know who my coach is going to be after this year, unless the board gave him some sort of assurances. I, I, I mean, there is that French connection there, but I just, I, I think the there is still a big period of uncertainty around Arsenal that makes it very interesting for them to go get signings and that's that's why I, I wonder what Lacazette was told as to Arsene Wenger's future there. Well and let me throw this out there and this is this is not a shot at Lacazette because I know all all these people out there were saying, well yeah dumbass, you know, if if he'd signed for Liverpool you'd be stating he's the next greatest thing since sliced bread. Um Lacazette though in in actuality I mean, he's a really good player. And I feel, like we said, he's a really good signing. I don't know if he's I – I mean, I don't think he's quite the blue chip pickup that a Sanchez or an Ozil were at the time that Arsenal signed him. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this is a guy who has not featured very often at all for France. Granted, you know, he might just be here at the wrong time to be a French striker. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's obviously a brutal spot to be at the moment uh, with Greetsman and well, basically with Greetsman. But, um, I mean, he's not like a weekend. He's not like an every match starter for France. Um, doesn't even really make the French team all the time. And once again, I mean, he's coming from a league where, uh, I mean, Guys put up big numbers in France. You know, it, it certainly it is certainly a big time step up in level from Lyon to Arsenal. 
where I almost feel that maybe Zlatan going to United wasn't as much of a step up, no offense, United at all. But, mm-hmm. you know, he was coming from PSG, who year in, year out were playing in the Champions League, were playing, you know, were winning the title in France, playing the Champions League, were playing really top competition. And coming from Lyon, eh, you know, I think he played in the Champions League once. They never won the French League while he was there, never really contended for the French League while he was there. Didn't play really that ultra-high level of competition that maybe an Ibrahimovic played. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, Ibrahimovic had a, as we know and have documented, an extensive history of going to big squad, big teams, and scoring a ton of goals. Mm-hmm. Um, Lacazette's, Lacazette's definitely going to have something to prove coming into the Premier League, because, you know, like I kind of said earlier about you know your boy Jansen, but we've seen it with other players, not just Jansen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw it with Memphis Depay at uh, United. Yeah. You know, some guys come in with really big reputations and just for whatever reason don't assimilate to the Premier League. I don't think Lacazette's going to have that issue. I'm just saying, you know, I, I mean, this isn't like they were signing, you know, a Luis Suarez or, you know, a Robert Lewandowski or, you know, Gareth Bale, something like that. It's not that kind of a big signing for Arsenal. I think obviously with the inflated prices that makes it look bigger um, or that makes a lot of things look bigger because of those inflated prices mm-hmm. but I just I don't know if he's quite to the level of where even Sanchez was coming in we'll have to see if this is something that really pushes Arsenal over the top or just gets them by in the Europa League for another year with that we are going to take a quick commercial break when we come back on the foreign affair podcast it'll be the watch four and so raw here you're listening to the foreign affair podcast on ngsc sports back in a mo. are you the next michael jordan tom brady or Deion sanders do you have what it takes to become the next great talent whether you play baseball basketball football or any other sport you all at least have one thing in common the need to be recognized it doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level i'm nextusa.com is the platform for you and back here on the Foreign Affair Podcast, Edward Green, Wes Bradshaw. Um, we are now hitting the watch for Wes. What have you been watching all this time? As uh, I, I, And I'll break from my usual tradition. I will say I thought about you and I saw on Facebook somebody posted the uh, the new American Horror Story trailer. Cruise. No Toms to be found, but there is a cruise taking place. I have not seen the horror, the horror mm. uh, show. Uh, I haven't seen the trailer. Mm. But Ed, I have actually watched new shows lately. Oh, fantastic. That's right. Not just reruns of Archer and shit like that. <laughs> um, I've, I've got a, I've actually, since the last time we talked, I've gone through three. I've gone through like three complete shows at this point. Oh um, we'll start in one genre. Now, one of them that you'll probably look at me like, what the fuck? You haven't ever watched that? <laughs> I know, I've already had two or three people say, seriously, you of all people have never watched that? I thought we got the chance to watch Band of Brothers. Oh, yeah, I would say that. You're right. I mean, I'm like a, I'm like a war movie buff. That's your shtick. war movies. That is my shtick. Um, I finally got the chance to watch Band of Brothers, 10 episodes. Of course, I mean, highly acclaimed. Tom Hanks directed it. I think it was 2001. Um, it is on Amazon, instant video. Um, and I've sat down and watched that over the last few weeks. 
and then followed up by watching uh, kind of its sister show, The Pacific, ah. uh, which of course uh, took place in, spoiler alert, The Pacific. Can't what? Be. I know, man. I don't want to give too much away. Um, but both those just, I thought they were really, really good shows. Um, like I said, I am a war movie guy. <clears throat> uh, both of them I thought were really accurate, showed a lot of um, things from that time that maybe a lot of people didn't think of. Uh, it gave you that whole, you know, horror of war um, feel to it. It was, it, they were intense. They were very intense. I'll give them that. Uh, but Tom Hanks, uh, directly involved in both of them. So, um, you know, Tom, and Tom Hanks at this point of his life, he doesn't put out shit. He don't put out no shit, Hank Green. No shit. No shit from Tom Hanks. Hell no. So, uh, definitely, if, if you if you enjoy the, uh, the World War II stuff and, you know, or just the war movies in general, haven't seen them for whatever reason, they're both 10 episodes long, <clears throat> a little under an hour an episode. So you can, not, you can get through those pretty quick. They were good. Uh, and then in a little more contemporary, kind of sticking with my theme of combat sports. Oh, boy. And I watched Glow on Netflix. Oh, I, I didn't know if you'd pick that up. Did I had heard about it coming out, and then just literally like the day it came out, I happened to be on Netflix, started watching. It took me about took me about two weeks to watch all of them, just as I'd watch a few here and a few there. Finished them up actually earlier this morning, um, and I enjoyed it. The and, wonderful Allison Brie. Oh, Allison Brie was great, and then um, uh, what's her name? Betty Betty Du Dupli. I can't remember. She was the girl. She played. Uh, she played uh, Debbie, also known as Liberty Bill. She is beyond spoken hot to me. I love her. Um, it was a show, basically it's 10 episodes. It's a show about making a wrestling show. Mm-hmm. Um, Somewhat based on a true story? Uh, very loosely. There was yeah. a wrestling organization mm-hmm. named Glow, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. Came on in the mid-'80s. Um, that's about where the similarities end, I guess. <laughs> I, I mean, this is, it, it is kind of, I guess, how it was sort of put together, but they definitely had their own story here. It's, it, it's very entertaining. You don't actually get into any real wrestling matches until maybe episode seven or eight. Oh. Um, so, I mean, it's really, it's, it's, about, it's about a wrestling show, but it's not a wrestling show. Mm-hmm. That said, there are a few cameos in there. People that I picked up, uh, Johnny Mundo, formerly known as John Morrison, is in episode one, I believe, as, uh, as the trainer. Um, and then one of actually the girls is uh, Kia Stevens, who is formerly known as uh, Kong, um, and uh, was in WWE, was in TNA. And she's she's known by more of the wrestling fans now. But other than that, I mean, it wasn't a lot of wrestlers in there. Brodus Clay had a small role in there. Uh, Brodus, who is now Tyrus in TNA, Brodus used to be in WWE. He had a small role in it. Um, I noticed uh, they they had in one episode a few of the girls went to an independent wrestling show, and um, I, I I recognized a few guys who work for Ring of Honor, uh, Frankie Kazarian, and Christopher Daniels. Uh, Joey Ryan, who is known for his um, his uh, his his infamous move, the Iron Cock. <laughs> uh, 
if you've seen the one where the guy um, grabs the guy's junk and then he uses his junk to flip the guy. It's very literal. It was actually on Sports Center, which kind of shows how far Sports Center's fallen, but anyway. <laughs> uh, Joey Ryan had a small role in it, so <laughs> there were some wrestlers in it, but it was. I mean, as a, it, it was it was a story. It wasn't about the wrestling. As a story, I re, I enjoyed it. Um, Jim Cornette, who is a you know legendary manager in the wrestling world, um, and is a an extremely outspoken pundit on all things that he's an expert on and not an expert on, hates Donald Trump. Ed, you probably like him. Um, mm. He he has universally panned the entire show. But you kind of have to take that with a grain of salt because Jim Cornette fucking hates everything. That's not good. So, yeah, it's just, that's just Jim Cornette. He hates basically everything that was made after, like, 1993. <laughs> so, cool. it's, that's just Cornette. Um, but I liked it. I would, I mean, I would recommend, I would tell you and, I would tell you and uh, One Name Technical Producer Jackie to watch it. That you guys <laughs> would probably, you guys would probably get a kick. I mean, they're 23, 24 minutes a show. So it's not oh, like you're investing. Okay. And, and, you know, if you watch two or three, you're like, eh, I don't really give a shit. It's not like you've invested hours into it at that point. You feel you have to finish it. Mm-hmm. So it's a recommendation out there, folks. Check out The Glow. All right. Um, I am going to say uh, this is this is going to be a little bit of a weird one. Uh, I do I do love my cartoons. Uh, and I do love my animes. This is not an animu. Um, this is a cartoon that um, is currently airing. I don't know on what channel. I think it's Cartoon Network. Um, but uh, as, as people also know from my Lil' What segments, as well as my uh, participation on the Game Crunch podcast a few uh, weeks ago, uh, I do love me some video games as well. Uh, and, and I did partake in some of the Sonic games when I was younger. Um, there have been a few Sonic cartoons that have come out over the years, but none like this. None this great, none this meta, um, and it is called Sonic Boom, um, and this is this is on Cartoon Network. Um, I am about, I am forty episodes in. Each episode is eleven minutes, so that's that's how they break it up. Um, of course, two would be like a full show, um, but they are in season three right now, I believe. Or no, sorry, there's season two still. Um, season one, the entirety of it is on Hulu. That is where I'm catching up with it. Um, wow, it's it's like someone was like, man, what do what do people hate about Sonic games? Let's make fun of that. Um, really, it, it, like. And just every episode is only 11 minutes, and there's actually, like, a break in the middle of those episodes. So it's just nice bite-sized chunks. Um, you pick, you pop in, you pop out. There are actually recurring gags. There are recurring characters. Um, it's actually, like, it's, it's, it's a slightly less version, I'd say, of Archer. And obviously, it's on the not the Adult Swim version of Cartoon Network, so it can't be it can't go out as far as Archer. But uh, I, I'm surprised how meta and how weird they're taking Sonic. I, I really I really appreciate it, and the amount of amount of jokes that they like to make, like oh, you remember how bad that idea was? Oh yeah, that was a pretty bad idea for our games. Well, that's that's what I appreciate when it, when a when it, an independent product can make fun of its source material. I appreciate it, and that is why I have really enjoyed watching Sonic Boom. 
Gotta go fast. Um, also, a little bit of TV news right as we wrap up here. Watch for Psych coming back with a movie this Christmas on on USA. It's gonna be great. Uh, the whole gang is back together. Uh, Sean Spencer and Burton Guster fighting crime with psychic, somewhat powers. Um, but Wes, in the in the uh, in the uh, in the segu of all segues, do you know who will be guest starring? Or guest appearing on that movie. Who's that, Green? It would be one Charlotte Flair, oh. who will be playing the character. And God, I hope I don't get mistaken for promoting Japanese racism when I say this. The name of her character is Heather Ruckrier. Um, that is that is the name of her character. That is that is according to the official tweet from the official Psych USA account. Uh, but yes, Miss Charlotte WWE, that's her Twitter handle, will be heading to the Psych movie. So what better way than, especially on this July Fourth week, with the return of someone else who has been on Psych, John Cena, than to kick off so raw. <laughs> Cena Senpai. Get your lotion. It is time to get so raw. Yeah. All right. And let's let's go ahead and hit that story just to start because we're going to concentrate more on raw this week. Um, John Cena. He's back, folks. That's right. Because we we missed him so much. Thank you. Yeah. John Cena is back. He returns on the fourth of July because he is America's greatest hero now that Hulk Hogan is a racist. So, good times. Uh, Cena comes back, cuts his kind of normal John Cena promo. Uh, there's anybody in the back who wants some? Come get some. Um, and out comes Rusev. Oh. Who we haven't seen since the brand split was drafted to SmackDown, but has been out recovering with a shoulder injury, legit shoulder injury. <clears throat> And Rusev has just done some stuff while he was out that had so many people buzzing with anticipation for his return. I mean, you know, a lot of us were, me, me included, I wanted to see a face Rusev come back and challenge Jinder Mahal for the WWE or the SmackDown title. And instead we kind of got old generic, I am a foreigner, spit on America. We got kind of the old foreign heel gimmick. And, of course, John Cena, in the most John Cena ways, challenges Rusev to a flag, an American flag of the pole match. <laughs> oh, God. And as yeah. we sat there shaking our heads, Rusev gave us a small glimmer of hope, saying, no, no, we will not do that tonight. We will do things on my time, John Cena. So now at Battleground, the next SmackDown pay-per-view, we will get John Cena versus Rusev in a flag on a pole match. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I just, for one, cannot personally imagine Rusev pulling down an American flag and waving it over the lifeless body of John Cena. So we kind of know how that's going to end. Yeah. So, eh, great, John Cena's back and Rusev's getting buried. Two things I didn't want to happen. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as John Cena... Depending on what they want to do with him, I could see this being kind of the last great run of John Cena coming up. 
you know, Cena has obviously been dabbling in Hollywood. Uh, he's done some movies. He's done some TV shows. I mean, the guy's been at the top of the WWE food chain for nearly 15 years. At some point, you know, it's it's time to move on. I'm not saying, you know, I, I'm not hating on John Cena in the typical way. It's not, you know, it's not that John Cena can't go because John Cena can go. It's just after a while, you know, you, you need to you need to move on to the next thing. And for John Cena, you know, he's almost 40 years old. How how much longer does John Cena want to go? I mean, you know, it's it's not wrestling isn't like the 70s and the 80s now where, you know, you're 57 years old and you're holding on, you know, you'll take a booking in, you know, middle Ohio, in, you know, middle of Ohio somewhere so you can get a $100 payday. John Cena's a freaking multimillionaire with projects coming out the ass that he can be doing outside the ring. If we're setting up for the great last run of John Cena, I don't have a big issue with it. I think they're still going to put the title on him one more time. The big rumor is we're going to see Cena Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, which could break the record for people not knowing who the hell to boo. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, who are you going to cheer for? I don't want to cheer for anyone. I want to boo them both. But I don't know who to boo more, Cena or Reigns. Um, there's just there's some cool things John Cena can do, and I hope that's the route they go. I'm just, I'm not impressed with this whole Rusev deal to start it off, but whatever, man. I'm going to give WWE the benefit of the doubt for whatever reason. They still give me to do that, and uh, and we're going to see what happens. Um, before we get to Raw, New Japan had their massive, massive show this weekend in Long Beach, California, the G1, um, the G1 America show. I have not sat down and watched yet. Four hours long for night one. Whoa! And that that was broadcast actually live on Saturday on Saturday on uh, Access TV. And this coming week they're going to have night two, which is going to be another couple of hours. So I was kind of holding all that until I had it all to watch. And I don't even really know results from it. I just from what I heard, it was an amazing show. It was really good. So I'm going to try to take some time uh, over the weekend when I can uh, in early next week when I got a couple days off before we come back. And I'm going to try to watch most of that G1 show. So I'm going to give you guys more of an update on that next week. But from what I hear, just an outstanding, outstanding show as we've kind of come to expect from New Japan, especially when they're working in conjunction with Ring of Honor. All right, Monday Night Raw, folks. Hold on to your seat. Monday Night Raw was good. And not only that, it was a go-home show, and it was pretty good. It didn't have what? all the... Yeah, it didn't have all the ultra-crazy moments that we kind of, well, remember. I don't say expect from a go-home show anymore, but remember from the past. And this Sunday, great balls of fire. Yeah. Still can't figure out who the hell named that pay-per-view. <laughs> but it will be coming to you. And uh, not going to lie, it is one of the better cards that WWE, especially the Raw brand, has put together in, in quite a while. Um, I'm going to break it down for you in just a minute. But uh, a, a really good, a really good uh, card has been put together on that. 
Um, starting off, you know, over on the women's side, make sure that damn uh, Amazon thing doesn't catch me. <laughs> Alexa Bliss. All right, we're good. Uh, we'll be defending her women's title against Sasha Banks. Sasha won the gauntlet match last week, gets that shot. Um, they did a good job building that up this week with a tag team match. Sasha ended up making Alexa Bliss uh, tap out in the middle of the ring to the bank statement. Um, it was good, man. It was good. It was a good good little run there. Um, and I think they're going to have a nice match coming up um, at the pay-per-view. Uh, Bliss is just, I mean, she is just heel personified. I think Sasha Banks, someday they're going to turn her heel on the main roster, and she's going to be just phenomenal. She's a she's an amazing heel as well. But these two are doing a good job right now. I would like to see them keep the belt on Alexa Bliss through, through SummerSlam. And there you can let Sasha Banks take it off over there if you want to. I just want to see her keep it till SummerSlam, okay? Just do it for me. She's gorgeous, and she's my goddess. I love her. Something I cannot remember if I touched on it last week or not in So Raw, Ed. Enzo and Cass had the big breakup last week on Raw. No. Um, I can't remember. God, at this point, I can't remember if it was last week or the week before. They've had the big breakup. Um, <clears throat> this has been one that's been kind of talked about in the circles for quite a while. And they end up pulling the trigger as Big Cass turns on Enzo. Big Cass, of course, the seven-foot giant, the... the the powerhouse of the group, Enzo, is definitely the talker and the guy who gets the shit beat out of him in that group. I was sort of hoping they would save this match for SummerSlam as well. Um, I just, a couple weeks build up. Eh, we'll see, but I mean, that's it. it, it it's going to be. It's going to be a sight to behold because this is one of the most popular tag teams in WWE. They've now broken up. <coughs> you know how this should go. Because obviously they're going to push Big Cass to the moon with his size. And, you know, and Enzo obviously not being not being a very big dude. Uh, but Enzo does bring the heat when you give him a live mic. So we're going to see them this Sunday at Great Balls of Fire. And we're, we're going to see what happens in green. I know that's always my, my little thing. We're going to see what happens. Yeah. Um, of course, Ed, right now I'm just hitting the big matches for tonight. Just check out the card. Those are going to be good. Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman in an ambulance match where the winner will have to place their opponent gently, obviously, Ed, into the back of an ambulance, close the doors, and the ambulance will drive away with said defeated competitor. <clears throat> I mean, you've got to kind of think Roman Reigns wins this. Most likely. Just because he's Roman. Braun Strowman is like, I mean, I can't tell if I like him or not, but I know every time he comes on TV, I'm immediately paying attention, and I'm very happy to be watching him. Because <laughs> he just like, Braun, give me competition. Stay down. I think I've said it before. He is like the greatest 80s heel of all time who's just stuck in 2017. I mean, this guy should have been fighting the Hulkster in the Spectrum back in 88. And it would have been like one of the great wonders of the world to see that match. 
Uh, but Braun and Roman are going to go out. They are going to beat the ever-loving holy hell out of each other. Roman Reigns, at this point, you can't hate Roman Reigns because of his work because the guy can work. He's very good in the ring. I personally don't like Roman Reigns just because I just think his character is shit at this point. But you know what? They're not trying to sell shirts to me. They're trying to sell it to my kids who like Roman Reigns. So, screw you, kids. Anyway, uh, moving on, and uh, you've got Bray Wyatt, you've got Seth Rollins, which, eh, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of both of those guys. You know it. I've talked about them before. I do not like how they've done this buildup. I just think it's been very plain, very generic, where you have a guy, especially in Bray Wyatt, who has shown, like, the ability to have supernatural stuff in the past. He hasn't done, like, anything to Seth Rollins. I mean, there's no real mystique around it. <clears throat> I just think it's been kind of a, a plain, somewhat boring buildup. I'm looking forward to the match, but I, I really expected a lot more out of this. Maybe this is kind of the warm-up and they'll hit it going towards SummerSlam. Um, but then I've also got this feeling that this could be a one-and-done kind of thing and then move them both on to something else. We'll see. I just think the buildup could have been a lot better. Now to one where the buildup has been absolutely superb, and this is the gem of the night on this uh, on this pay-per-view coming up. Samoa Joe and Brock Lesnar is going could be absolutely epic. Um, these are two legitimate badasses going up against each other, and their buildup has been fantastic. Samoa Joe has choked out Lesnar. He's choked out Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman is absolutely terrified of the guy. <clears throat> um, they did a split-screen interview the other night where they were both in the building in different places, and Michael Cole was interviewing them both. Samoa Joe wouldn't even answer anything. He just kept, like, screaming at Brock Lesnar. <laughs> and you could just see Brock Lesnar's face just getting... Brock Lesnar kind of has this weird look right now where you can tell it's like he's been out on the beach too long. Because he's he's like a kind of a fair-skinned guy anyway with blonde hair. And his face is like beet red, except like where he's wearing his sunglasses. <laughs> and he just he just looks a little comical to me. That said, he's still six foot three and weighs three hundred pounds and has been a UFC heavyweight champion. So I'm not saying Brock, if you're listening, I'm not saying that I'm laughing at you. I'm just laughing at your tan line. <laughs> but that match is going to be really good. And that's actually one, like, I can't pick because the the logical story seems like you keep it on Brock Lesnar. But I don't know if WWE expected some of the buildup they got to this from Samoa Joe and some of the reaction they've gotten to this. And I, I could see WWE, like, pulling a swerve on us and putting Samoa Joe over. I mean, which would be insane because then, you know, you'd have Samoa Joe going into SummerSlam as the Raw champion, or as the Universal champion, excuse me. Um, and it would be sick. I just think that's going to be a sick match coming up Sunday night. I get off work at 11, so I'll get home and I will probably watch the replay of it before I go to bed on, on Sunday night. It, I'm, I'm actually that kind of into this pay-per-view. Not bad, especially for one with such a crazy, terrible name. Great it's, Falls of Fire. 
that's not bad at all. Uh, so that's going to do it for So Raw and this podcast, uh, episode 165 of the Foreign Affair pod in the books. I uh, do want to give another shout out to our sponsors, NGSC Sports and NGSCSports.com. We never stop, even if this pod is about to, as well as I'm Next USA. You can find them on Twitter. Uh, as a collective on Twitter, we are at AFA Pod. Wes, you are? I'm at West Branch on 21. I am at Edward Green. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube via our parent show, The All New Sports Show. You can also email us at that address, allnewsportsshow at gmail.com. Uh, big shout out to all our podcast providers, including podbean.com, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn Radio app, Google Play Music, the iTunes Music Store. And as always, this pod is powered by Zencaster. We'll be back next week with Premier League teams one through six, giving our grades for them. Uh, that will be fun. Uh, I'm sure we'll have a little bit of Gold Cup talk, not too much, but just a little bit, and some more summer signings to go over. And, uh, and, and of course, a recap of Great Pulse of Fire. Because. Balls of Fire. That's right, folks. We'll recap Great Pulse of Fire and the G1 America show. I love it. Um, so, for that, though, before we get out of here, Wes, anything else to add? Oh, man. How about that baseball going right now? The Red Sox having a good summer. Uh, they find themselves in first place coming up here at the All Star break. Um, Mookie, Mookie, our man He's good. Mookie, starting the All Star game. That kid's got it, man. Five hundred million dollar contract. Sign him up now. Yeah, just go ahead and sign him something long. Give him a shit ton of money, Boston, because you don't want that kid hitting the open market no time soon. Nope. And he doesn't nope. have the damn ego of Bryce Harper. Oh, yeah. That's how many do? <laughs> That's that's fairly true. There can only be one Mike Trout. Um, also, um, for an abbreviated little what for tonight, uh, Rift Rivals, North America versus Europe going on right now. Day one was today. Um, everybody's one and one except Team Zola Mid, who went 2-0, and the Unicorns of Love, which went 0-2. NA, as always, better than Europe because we're just better, and Mike Young, don't call me Mike Young. Mike Young is a fucking star. Yeah, I love your patriotism. Yeah. Yeah, my, my North American. My North. I love North America. It's amazing with all our our Danes, our Danish imports who come in and and play mid lane for us. I love you, Jensen. And, and this uh, is just this is the closest I can get you to being a patriot on on record. So I'm like, that. yeah, there you go. Na, na. It's not even USA. Oh come on now, now next year when we talk about the World <laughs> Cup, you know I'm gonna pop. No matter what the hell happens with the USA, you know I'm gonna pop for them. And folks, there we do go. just want to wish everyone, all our American listeners, both of you, a happy Independence Day. <laughs> and as our British listeners call it, happy Treason Day. Oh. And as our listeners Invi- in the Baltic call it, Tuesday. Yes. Invite us to a match. Not not the Baltics, the the, the English. Invite us to a match. Somebody wants we'll to take me to a Red Star match, I'll go. Hey, that's partisan dog rods. Not too bad this time of year. Uh, so from Colin Crime, West Bradshaw, I am Edward Green. Thank you so much for joining us here. We'll catch you guys next week on the Foreign Affair Podcast. Until then, stay safe and enjoy some football. And good night to all our friends in England who are spending absurd amounts of money on players who aren't nearly worth it. Yeah. Ooh. I'd say a uh, couple record signings this week for a couple of teams. It's uh, going to be more. <laughs> It is the silliest of seasons. That's what it is. And Wayne Rooney. <laughs> um, and, uh, I need a cold drink somewhere. Oh, man. I don't, I don't want to go to China.
Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com, where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. 